morning, church. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Let me turn my cell phone here. There we go. That better? Yeah. Uh, yeah, talking about praying your way through school. <laughs> First thing that popped in my mind in one of my preaching classes one year, um, we had to preach a minute sermon. And um, I was in Atlanta, and I called Nancy, because I knew she'd be going to church that night on Wednesday night. And I said, man, request prayer for me. Tomorrow, I said, I have to preach a seven-minute sermon. I've never preached a seven-minute sermon in my life. Uh, and she said, okay, I'll request prayer for you. So uh, the thing was, they were going to record our sermon, uh, and he said, he said, it's seven minutes. And I mean seven minutes. He said, at the end of seven minutes, I'm turning the camera off, and you're done. Whether you're done or not, you're done. And then everyone, all the other preachers in the class would critique your sermon. So I got up and I preached my sermon and I was finished. And he said, I don't believe that. And I said, what? And he said, that was seven minutes to the second. I said, I had a lot of people in West Virginia praying for me this morning. <laughs> so yeah, praying your way through school, not a bad idea, right? It's good to be with you guys again this morning. If you want to read along with me, turn to the book of Luke. Chapter 3, and I'll be reading verses 3 through 6. Luke chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. <clears throat> and this is speaking about John the Baptist when it says, He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, and the crooked roads shall become straight, the rough, and the, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you... Let's say, let's say Christmas is tomorrow. How many of you, right now, you're ready. You are ready for Christmas. Wow, that's more than I expected. I didn't expect that many. Some of you are, some of you not. But it's not easy getting ready for Christmas, is it? it it's really not. It, I mean, it, it, it's not. I mean, we've all seen the movie Christmas Vacation, right? Yeah, we, we've seen the movie, and we know how uh, Clark W. Griswold, he struggled with getting the Christmas lights up and uh, trying to make everybody in the family happy, his children and his wife and his uh, in-laws and Cousin Eddie. Uh, of course, come to think of it, Cousin Eddie's probably the only happy one in the whole bunch because he's mooching off of Clark, right? So he's probably the only happy one in the whole thing. Um, but there is a true story uh, about a man who lived in uh, Vancouver, Washington, and he was getting ready to put his Christmas lights up on the outside of his, his home, and whoever had put the lights up the year before didn't bother to untangle them. They just kind of pushed them in the garage. So here he is trying to untangle all these lights. And as he gets each set untangled, he takes them out in the driveway and lays them down the driveway. Uh, and he's almost finished. But about that time, his daughter come home in the family car and ran over all of the lights. Well, he goes in the house and he tells his wife, he says, don't be alarmed. He looks at the daughter and says, go across the street, tell the police officer who lives over there to disregard what he's about to hear. 
and he went out into the backyard and fired a shotgun several times into the ground. Well, after he was arrested for reckless endangerment and taken to jail, he said he was firing the gun because he thought that would help relieve, rid him of some of this anger that he had inside of him. And you know what? There's a lot of people that can relate to that because you know what one of the big sellers is today? These light projection things, right? That you, you stick in the ground and you point. Some, how many of you have one of those? Yeah, there you go. We had two of them. <laughs> you stick it in the ground, you plug it in, and the, the whole front of the house is decorated, right? Nancy and I, we have a, a pre-lit Christmas tree. I mean, you, you take it in the house, you snap it together, plug it up, in five minutes, Merry Christmas, right? Hey, the less stress, the better. I mean, that, that, that's the way I look at it. The less stress, the better. I saw a list this past week. It must have been like 24 or 25 things that people get stressed out over during Christmas. And I'm not going to read all of them, but, but just, just a few. Number one, buying presents. That was the number one thing people said they get stressed out over. The amount of money that they spend overall during Christmas. Trying to please everyone for Christmas. People get stressed out over that. Wrapping presents. Amen? Last night... <laughs> Last night, she was in there, and she was trying, we even went out in the garage looking for a box that'll hold Anna's, was that a sweater or whatever it is? We still haven't, we still haven't got that. Oh, you did find that. Okay. All right. Uh, Number six, things people get stressed out over, putting on weight. Amen? Yeah, I'm going to say, that's why I'm standing behind the podium tonight, or this this morning. Spending time with the in-laws. Now, that's not me. Okay. I don't get stressed out spending time with, with my in-laws, all right? And this, this is the last one, where to have Christmas dinner. So these are just some of the things that people get stressed. I mean, it's not easy getting ready for Christmas. It's not. So in Luke's gospel concerning the coming of Jesus, Luke is quoting from Isaiah when he says, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. And that church is what we try to do during the season of Advent. We, we, we are trying to prepare ourselves. We're trying to prepare the way for the Lord. We're looking forward to His coming. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. That's not talking about using bulldozers, picks, and shovels, okay? That's not what they're talking about here. It's talking about preparing us. And we do that by songs. We do that by lighting the Advent. We do that by bringing lights into the church and in our homes and by the preaching of the gospel. Because you see, church, listen, the ultimate destination for Jesus Christ is where? It's not in a temple. It's not in a place of worship. it's It's not in a palace. But it's right here, right? That's the ultimate destination for Jesus Christ is in our hearts. So when we talk about the valleys being filled in and the mountains and hills being made low and the crooked roads being straight, we're talking about preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus Christ and preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus in the world that we live in today. Not that easy, is it? It's not. It's not that easy. I mean, mean, at the very least... 
Have you looked at some of the, the toys and the video games that kids ask for for Christmas? Some of these you may have seen, some of them may, you may not. One of them is called Forward Command Post. Now, I've never seen it, but I did read the description of the game. It says it is essentially a bombed-out dollhouse complete with smashed furniture, broken railings, bullet holes in the walls, and it's recommended for children five years old and up. Yeah. And, and one of the biggest sellers over the past few years of video games is a game called Grand Theft Auto 3. Listen to the description of this game. This, game. this comes from the New York Times. They describe, it, they describe it this way. It's a game in which all boundaries of civilized behavior have vanished. You shoot whomever you want, including the cops, and you get to beat women to death with baseball bats. Now, there was more to it than that, but I just didn't feel it was appropriate to read in church. There's another game, State of Emergency. All right? They describe it this way. There's a lot of rioting, looting, and endless gory murders. One more. You know what happened this past Tuesday, right, in Michigan? All right? Terrible. Terrible. I mean, a student, he kills four other students, Oxford High School in, in Michigan, some other students, I think there are six other students that are injured and one teacher. And it looks like the parents may be involved in this. In some way, maybe through just their support, I don't know, but some way they're, they're involved in this. This game is called Standoff. And this is, this is the description of the game. It's a fictional school shooting, and the players of the game can either be the SWAT team members trying to take down the suspect, or you can be the student inside the school Killing other students. How sick have we become as a society? And we watch the evening news and we sit back and wonder, how in the world did we get here? Right? Now, now remember, remember during the season of Advent, what are we doing? We're preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus. The place he most desires to be is in our heart. It's not easy preparing for Christmas in such a world that you and I live in today, church, church, so many people today have little to no understanding of all what Christmas really means, just as you said a moment ago. They really don't. They don't. There was, there was a television interviewer. He was walking the streets of Tokyo at Christmas time. Uh, apparently in, in Japan, it, Christmas is a, a big commercialized event, just about like it has become here. But the thing of it is, in Tokyo, the Christian community there is very, very small. All right. So this interviewer, he's walking down the street, and he, he meets this lady, and he stops her, and he says, what is the meaning of Christmas? And she laughs, and, and she said, well, I don't know. I, is it the day that Jesus died? Now, when you look at where we are right now, that's really not too far-fetched, is it? it, it it's really not. It's not easy preparing for Christmas in the world that we live in today. And church... It never has been. It never has been. You see, that's why Jesus came, because the world needed saving. Amen? The world needed saving. It needed saving then, and it needs saving right now. It, it's, difficult, it's difficult for you and I to appreciate the cruel world that, that, that Jesus was born into. I mean, you see, they didn't need violent video games back then because the real world was violent enough. I mean, just take, for example, King Herod. 
King Herod, called Herod the Great, okay? Herod the Great. But in reality, the only thing great about him was his insecurity and his love for murder. Listen to this, man. This guy murdered three of his sons because he thought they were trying to, they were too eager, I should say, to succeed him, succeed him as king. He murdered his mother-in-law for reasons that we can only speculate. He murdered his wife. And as he himself was dying, he ordered that the most prominent citizens in all of Israel be brought to Jericho. And when they were brought to him, he had them locked up with instructions that every one of them were to be murdered when he died. Now, why on earth, why would you do such a horrible thing? The reason was this. He wanted to ensure that there would be mourning and sadness at his funeral. Herod the Great, greatly insecure, greatly deranged. So, it wasn't out of character for King Herod to order all the slaughter of all of these babies that were born in Bethlehem because he had heard that one of them was referred to as the king of the Jews. And this king of the Jews just might be too eager to succeed him as king. So he has all of these sweet, innocent babies murdered in Bethlehem. You see, we sometimes forget that there's always been monsters in this world, like King Herod. Christ came into the world... Because the world needed saving. It needed saving then, and it needs it now. You know, every year when uh, President Bush was president, him and Laura, they would send uh, Christmas cards out from the White House that had Bible verses in it. And it was the year after 9-11, they sent out uh, a Christmas card that had Psalms chapter 27, verse 13. that says, I believe I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's the promise that Christmas holds for us. And that's what, actually, that, that's what Isaiah is talking about when he says, Every valley shall be filled in, and for mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth, and all mankind shall see God's salvation. You see, church, that, that, that is the hope and the peace that sustains us in good times and in bad times. That's the hope and the peace that sustains us as you and I live here in a fallen world. Praise God. One day you and I are going to get to see him face to face. Kenny, that is true. You mentioned it in the Sunday school. When we leave this world, yeah, it's sad. We're brokenhearted. We cry at funerals. We're going to miss that person. But if we just stop to think for a second where they're going, where their destination is, one of these days we shall behold him. Christ was willing to leave the splendor of heaven to be born in the lowliest of situations in a stable, in a barn, in Bethlehem. Why? Because this world needed to be saved. Listen, there's just something about Christmas that elevates us. Now, what, this, this, what I mean by that is this. We feel more hopeful. We feel more peaceful. We, we're more generous, right, at Christmas that than any other time of year, when when we were in the, when, uh, when we served the church, Nancy and I, when we served the church in Weston, every church in town every year we would take turns uh, ringing the bell for the Salvation Army in different different locations. Uh, this one afternoon, I was ringing the bell at the CVS pharmacy uh, in town, and, I, and I'm ringing the bell and I got my little kettle there. And some people put money in, some people don't. 
but, but I, would, I noticed something. I was noticing that as people come walking into to CVS, some of them have this blank expression on their face. And I got to thinking, you know, the reason most people, why do you go to a pharmacy? Well, most, probably because you're sick, right? Or you have a loved one at home that's sick. And you're not feeling very joyous right now. So I kind of noticed as they got out of the car and they walked across the parking lot, they just have blank expressions on their face. So I performed a little experiment. I was ringing a bell, and every time they'd come in, I'd have a big smile on my face, and I'd say, Merry Christmas. And they would look at me, and 99% of them, a smile would come on their face, and they would say, Thank you. Merry Christmas. You see, there's just something about this time of year that, that, that speaks even to the heart of the secular world, to those who really don't even know what we're celebrating and all of its commercialism and, and all of its blatant disregard for the real reason of this season. Christmas speaks to our heart. Back in 1942, during World War II, they, they, they ordered uh, the American citizens that were in the Persian Gulf area, they, they ordered them out because they didn't want to get them all swept up in this conflict, and they ordered them to come home. Well, it was very difficult to get to America because of, of the war effort. So what they started doing is they would allow civilians to get on board of some of these U.S. military troop ships in order to get them home safely. So they had, uh, I think it was 24 women and children, and they were, they were transporting them on one of these ships. There were thousands of U.S. military personnel on there, but there was also 500 German prisoners of war on this ship. And some of the women went to the captain of the ship and talked to them and asked for permission to go down to where these prisoners of war were being held and sing Christmas carols to them. Because they told the captain, they said, look, they're just as homesick and they're just as lonely as the rest of us. And he gave them permission. And they went down and they decided they would sing Silent Night as it was written in German. And they said as they started singing, they could hear boots hitting the floor. And they stood up and they came to the window and they stood there and was listening to these women sing Silent Night. And it said tears were streaming down the faces of these prisoners of war. It was said that night that both sides of the wall experienced the love of Christmas. That they said it was a universal truth that all people everywhere are loved by God. Amen? All of us are loved by God, each and every one of us. You know, there's just something about Christmas that elevates us. And the reason is because God made a decision that he was going to send his one and only son to this world to be born as a babe and a manger to a virgin in a lowly stable to redeem the world. Christmas warms our hearts. Christmas brings peace to our lips. Christmas can fill the heart of the biggest Scrooge you can think of. Amen? The biggest Scrooge you can think of. Christ can fill that heart. The love that you and I see and experience at Christmas time has the power to change all of society. It absolutely does. It changed me. Amen? It changed you, right? Sure it did. 
It can change society. And church, listen, that's exactly what Christmas was designed to do, to change the world. And it does it through the power of hope and the power of peace. You know, I know you guys are expecting a baby. Not going to be long, right? When a a family is expecting a baby, it comes with great promise, doesn't it? comes with great promise. I mean, you, you look into that face, that sweet, innocent face, and you just can't keep from, from looking forward and, and wonder, oh, man, what does the future hold for this child? And you sit there and you begin to wonder about the time they're going to start calling you mom and, and dad or, or, or nana and papa or whatever you, you want to be, whatever you want to be called. You, you think about when they start crawling and then they start walking. And before long, they'll, they'll, they'll be on a bicycle learning how to ride a bike. I remember when Anna was born, our first, our, our granddaughter, and, and, and Adam, she was just a couple of days old, and Adam was holding her, and, and her head, she'd get her head, and she'd snuggle up under his neck, and he said, oh, I love it when she does that. I said, well, buddy, enjoy it, because it doesn't last very long. It doesn't, does it? It doesn't last very long. Because in the blink of an eye, they're off to school, then they're off to college. Before you know it, they have a family of their own, don't they? Yeah. In the blink of an eye, it happens. The joy of having a new baby in the house is, it's, it's not the joy of just a simple moment, but it's, it, but it's looking forward at a lifetime of love and laughter and even some heartaches. All right? Even some heartaches. And that's the way it was with Jesus. When he came into this world, you see, Jesus coming into the world, he came as the very promise of God. He promised to bring peace on earth and goodwill to men. You know, every time we uh, decorate our homes... And I know sometimes it can be a headache decorating your home, right, with those lights. I know. Every time we decorate our home in spite of the headache, every time we sing Christmas carols, listen, I've listened to these guys talk. How hard is it to play a Christmas song, Christmas carol? Extremely hard. hard. Nancy, very difficult. Roger, where you at? I heard these guys, see, I was here Tuesday night when they were trying to play them. (laughs) And I listened to the complaints, all right? They wouldn't care if we didn't sing any Christmas carols at all, all right? But we put forth the effort, okay? Because it's as difficult as they are to play. And every time we read this ancient prophecy with some of the names that are very difficult to read, right, we're proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. We're proclaiming that he's coming. And we declare that even though this world still needs saving today, a Savior has come. And he's ready to save us. And he's ready to forgive us. And because he comes, there is hope. When we look at all of the terrible things that are happening, our hearts still have peace, Pam, because of the hope that he offers us. You know, the late Senator John McCain, and this is my last story, and I'm done. <laughs> the late Senator John McCain, he was a, uh, a prisoner of war in Vietnam. Uh, in the 1960s. I think he was a prisoner of war for like five and a half years. Uh, and he said that his lowest point came on Christmas Eve in 1969. That was his lowest point. 
he said that uh, he had given up all hope of ever getting a home alive. He just knew that he was going to die right there in Vietnam. And in order to uh, increase the homesickness of the prisoners of war, on Christmas Eve, they kept playing over the PA system. They kept playing, I'll be home for Christmas. And John McCain said he sat there and he listened to that. And all of a sudden, he heard a tapping on the wall. Morse code. And it was coming from the guy who was in the cell beside of him. It was a Marine by the name of Ernie Bruce. He had already been there. Ernie had already been there for four years. And he was tapping out in Morse code. And he said, we'll all be home for Christmas. God bless America. And John McCain said that gave him the comfort and the hope and the peace that he needed. Church, this message of Christmas is always a message of hope. It's always a message of peace. And that's what the world needs. The world needs saving. And God began the process 2,000 years ago when he sent a baby born in a manger in Bethlehem just for you and I. There's something about Christmas that elevates us because the meaning of Christmas is Jesus Christ came to offer hope for everyone in the world. And that hope and peace that Christ offered is available to everyone. Listen to John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Just as, these are the words of Jesus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Forgiveness of our sinful past is available to everyone who will accept it through the birth, through the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not easy getting ready for Christmas, is it? Not easy. But it's possible. Why? Because Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Never let your heart be troubled. And don't let it be afraid. Because he has overcome the world for us. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you, Lord God, for the privilege to be in this place this morning. Lord, we thank you for the season of Advent, this time when we can, we can slow down and, and we can just prepare our hearts and prepare our minds for what Christmas truly means, that you love the world so much that you gave your only son for it. And Father, I pray that if there's one person here this morning, maybe they're stressed out to the max. Father, if there's one person here this morning that has never accepted what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross of Calvary, I pray, Lord, that they would come to you this day. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.